Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Monday for your Monday delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, including International Fight Week, which was last week. Tons of activities throughout the week, culminating with UFC 290. We're going to unpack that whole card, and then we're going to talk about everything that took place during the week. And we have a couple interviews for you all. They're very recent and from Radio Row. At the UFC Fight Expo, UFC light heavyweight champion Jamal Hill and Macy Barber will be our two guests. So it's going to be a fun show. Grab that cold beer. Here we go. As soon as I said it goes... I want yeah. to go back to the fridge and grab a cold beer. Last night, uh, as I was grabbing some of Laura's stuff from that hotel, her dad offered me a cold 805, and I was like, damn it. I really wanted it. Now, when you said that, it just made it worse. Let's go grab a cold beer. All right. All right. You talk, and I'll get them. And then, or do you want me to talk, and you get them? I'll talk. All right. You talk. And uh, folks, don't don't worry. We'll make up this minute and a half here. Uh, it's going to be fun, but you know this will give us a chance to really relax. It's been a long week. We deserve this cold beer, even though it's only ten thirty a.m. But there's really a lot to talk about, and it was a fun week. So this will make it even better. Back, I'm back in ninety seconds. So here's what I do want to mention to you guys: this show that we're recording right now is like we're on the five yard line. Once we get this, we can finally just relax because this week has been absolutely insane. It's International Fight Week. So between Hall of Fames, press conferences, setting up for the expo because we were in Radio Row and then going to the expo and doing all that stuff, lugging stuff in in this horrific heat. Um, On top of that, all the people that are in town visiting for a big week like this. I'm, I'm basically, guys, for the last week, I've. I've been Ben Stiller and meet the parents. So, I mean, it's been nonstop the things that we've had to do. And at the expo radio row, we did about close to 30 interviews. And so we're going to spread these out throughout the show here for the next couple weeks. And hopefully you guys enjoy a lot of big names. I mean, Jamal Hill, um, Charles Oliveira, Macy Barber, um jose aldo the list goes on and on we had them for about some of these are going to be short you know some of these are going to be maybe three and a half minutes and some of them might be 12 minutes or 10 minutes thank you we didn't really uh we're kind of sharing time with everybody else in the room so it's like sometimes you get them for a long time sometimes you don't and but there were so many of them and just our brains are kind of exhausted and it was fun meeting a lot of you people I appreciate so much you guys coming up to us and saying hi and talking about the radio show, talking about spinning back click. And then on top of uh, everything, you know, we had to do the pay-per-view and we did our watch along. And so like 
our brains are just completely fried at this point. So this is kind of like the last thing we have to do. And now we can chill for a few days before we have another interview. I think that's scheduled on Wednesday. And, uh, and yeah, George is back. I still got rankings to do, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of movement or at least a lot to cover because when the card is deep and it has ranked fighters, especially if there's uh, like a lower ranked fighter winning or there's a retirement, then you got to shift some things around. So Volkanovski's easy, stays at the top. Then I got to see what to do with Yair. Pantoja obviously will take the number one spot at flyweight. Things like that. Duplessis, he moves up. Dan Hooker, he might pop back in. Bo Nickel, I got to decide what at what point do we start bringing him in. You know, somebody in the chat, because like Go said, we just recorded Svenny Backlick. Somebody in the chat said, get to Bo Nickel already, like that. Hmm. And, of course, I know how it is. I've been in chats before where I'm trolling or trying to get a reaction. But I'm just wondering, if that person was serious, Holy cow, like that person's like out with the old and in with the new. You know, we were talking about Robbie Lawler's retirement, the memories that guy kind of left. He fought at UFC 35 and he ended at UFC 290. Jim Miller fought at UFC 100, 200, and wants to fight at 300. But basically his career, and I'm not sure it started at UFC 100, but you know, we're talking about how special that is, and that's going to span 200 shows. Um, think about this one. This mm -hmm. is 265 shows, you know, that Lawler was a part of the UFC. Uh, I should say in two different stints because he did go off to Elite XC and Icon and Rumble on the Rock and Strike Force and some other stuff. Pride. And then he came back. Pride. He didn't make a stop there as well. But, uh, yeah, I was like, wow, Bo Nickel already. I mean, there wasn't much to talk about other than, he looked great. What can we say? You know, and, and he showed some hands. Good for him. He didn't beat a tomato can. He beat someone that was 7-0, but he also beat someone that was 7-0 that only had a week to prepare. So, you know, but still, the guy shows a lot of promise. And, I, you know, since we're already, since I already mentioned him, I guess we'll just start with him. Um, Are, are you excited about him, Gills, or do you feel like he's still not resonating like, for example, when Hanzat Shemayev had those two fights in three weeks and he really looked destructive. Like, we were really saying this guy could be a champ. I'm not sure we were there with Bo Nickel yet. Okay. Prior to this fight, it was just kind of like a little side project, right? You just kind of see what the guy's been doing. And, um, you know, you're impressed with the little that you see, but you know that right now, for as much as what what he says and what people say, I don't know that you can just pair him up with the top people in the in that division because he just has a lack of experience. But this past performance, now granted, it was on short notice, it was a different opponent, but everything he looked looked very, very fluid, very crisp. His striking looked great, phenomenal. It was pinpoint. Now, if you're watching Bo Nickel for the first time and you're seeing this. And then I tell you, by the way, he's one of the most decorated wrestlers that ever lived. You would go, oh, shit, on top of that, on top of those hands, like, I can't wait to see this guy again. But here's the question, like, what do you do with him? Do you, do you really give him top-level competition next? I, I feel like you kind of give him a little bit more of what he's been seeing. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think you just continue with that trajectory. He's probably making good money. He should be happy about that. Uh, but I don't know that we thrust him into uh, that high of competition just yet. I'd say maybe like one or two more of these. If he's absolutely mopping the floor with people, then you have no choice. But at the same time, um, you want this guy to evolve still. Yeah. Um, I think take it slow. And look, I'll even point back to Dana White Contender Series. They still felt like, hey, relax, everyone. It's only a second fight or something like that. Let's take it slow. And so that wasn't that long ago, to tell you the truth, when that happened. And that's coming from the president of the UFC, one of the most knowledgeable men, you know, when it comes to grooming an athlete. He's done some very well. He's fumbled a few others. But, there, you know, you're not going to find anyone else that I guess can really just know when the time is right. And I'm sure he does have an idea when the time will be right to really, really get him there. His spot on the on the tape uh, review, you know that maybe that could have went to Robbie Lawler. Who knows? But again, they they like to shuffle the deck in a certain way. He went out there, he did what he had to do, and and that was that. You know, but it was so quick. It's also hard to get too excited. You know when we'll get excited, goes. Hmm. I got excited more about Shemaev. When I saw him fight Burns and fight through adversity. Because yeah. if you recall, he had a trouble taking him down at times or keeping him down. He also got socked by Burns. He lost the round. He started getting tired. But that's when I started saying, okay, this guy's a dog. Because he was able to rebound from that, come back and get the W. That's when you really start learning a lot about a guy. You know what I mean? Raul Rosas, we'll see what he's like coming off of a loss as well. So much, so, so you know, when he was so young, Macy Barber, same thing, young and so much pressure to get things done. Then she suffers a knee injury, and then on Saturday, I couldn't heap enough praises her way because she really looks like she has taken the next step. So it takes a while, but but uh, you got to fight through a little bit of adversity, I think, and that's when we'll really, really know where, where you stand. Mm-hmm, for sure. No, I mean, this guy... Uh, and you know what? Outside of fighting, I kind of like the things he says. I like what following him on social media. I like the things he does. Um, they really have something really special. And it's not that feeling that you get with like Sean O'Malley or, or some of the other uh, people that the UFC's kind of gravitated to early on in their careers. This one feels different. I really do think this kid's going to be really, really good. It, do, it does appear that way. He's a stud, man. Huge favorite going into the fight, too. Um, and you know, respect to Val Woodburn for taking that fight on short notice. Um, since we're on the card, let's talk about the card, and then we'll we'll do some other stuff. There's a lot to talk about on the show, so we're going to rush through some stuff. Here are the results from the card. Esteban uh, Rebovix defeated Camuela Kirk. Jesus Santos Aguilar defeated Shannon Ross. Cameron Simon defeated Terrence Mitchell. Vitor Petrino defeated Marcin. Pacino, Alonzo Menafield defeated Jimmy Crute, Denise Gomes defeated Yasmin Jaragui, Tatsuo Tyra defeated Edgar Cherez, uh, Robbie Lawler defeated Nico Price. So those were your prelims that were on ESPN Plus for the first four, and then on ABC and ESPN along with ESPN Plus for the next four. What were your thoughts there? Goes who? kind of maybe stole the show or caught your attention off those eight fights. Gomes, that was uh, pretty amazing. If you look at the 
betting odds, she was an underdog, a pretty substantial one. I want to say she was like plus 300 or something like that. And just came in and it was pinpoint right on the chin that set everything up. I thought that was a, a really, really solid performance. And I know we'll get to Lawler in a second, but I got to say Alonzo Menafield, his ability to kind of defend the takedown that Jimmy Crute was trying to execute all the while getting his arm underneath, uh, you know, his chin around his head so that he could transition into a crank choke type, you know, that he uh, kind of version of the guillotine was really, really beautiful because a lot of times fighters will sprawl and then pop back to their feet. Hey, I'm out of that pickle. You know what I mean? Or some mm -hmm. will obviously take, uh, they suffer the takedown or whatever. And this guy was able to kind of be a step ahead um, and, and immediately lock it in. You know, this is a guy that we always laud for his ability to remove people from consciousness. He's heavy handed and athletic. And yet this was really, really nice by Alonzo Menafield against a tough Jimmy Crute. Yeah, I like Alonzo. You know, he showed us a lot of things in this fight. Uh, um, physically, he's gifted, but game plan wise, I think that's why he won this fight. The type of game plan that he Im implemented was really, really smart on his behalf, on him and his coaches. He listened to his coaches and I thought overall it was a, a really good performance. How about Robbie Lawler, man? Less than one minute, and he takes out Nico Price, who's a tough son of a gun, man. Let's face it. Lawler, 41 years of age, announced that this would be his last fight. Goes in there and could not have scripted a better ending. Yeah, it was so quick that it almost, uh, it's one of those feelings where you go, well, wait a minute, should I just fight another one? But he did kind of allude to how difficult the camp was. And that's understandable. Yeah, at his age, he's done so much. But think about the week. Like, just him being at the Hall of Fame for as long as he was. Because he, he was one of the first ones that came out. I thought, that's it. You know, that from there, he's going to go and, you know, finish with the weight cut and all that stuff. He stayed through the whole show and even came out at the end and took pictures. And, and his speech was relatively long for Robbie Lawler standards. You know, he doesn't really like to talk very much let alone in front of so many people like that. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I just don't understand how you could have made it any better for Robbie Lawler this week. And he navigated through the history of his career and gave so much props to so many of his coaches. He mentioned Matt Pena, uh, who obviously, you know, through his days of military fighting and then the hit squad. Then he mentioned King Mo from his time from ATT, Dan mm -hmm. Lambert. And then, of course, now he's with Kill Cliff. He gave a shout-out to those guys. He gave a shout-out to so many people with his hands in his pocket. As uncomfortable as he was, he delivered an amazing Hall of Fame speech. And, like Go said, it was Thursday night. They weigh in on Friday. This is the worst part of the cut. You know, a lot of them want to go to bed having all, already made weight or at least within a pound or two. So you're at a calorie deficit. You haven't drank water. And it, not only did he crank out that speech, he waited for everyone else to do theirs, then stood up there on the top of the stage along with everyone else that got inducted, did that, and then signed some autographs. And then he comes in on a Saturday and does that. He says his his legs, his feet, they just haven't been functioning like he wants. But he said he felt good Saturday morning, so he had a good feeling that he'd have a good performance. And he mm -hmm. sure as hell did. So 
congrats to him on the fight. That win, obviously, the induction into the Hall of Fame, the fight wing, and a fabulous career. And I didn't get a chance to get to this on Straining Back Click Goes, so it kind of falls on you now. I got to ask you a tough question. Does this guy belong on the Hall of Fame? And let me remind you, Goes, longevity, won a title, one title defense. Let me check and see if it was two or one. I think it was only one. But he also beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You know, that's something that Jim Miller, again, when we were discussing him, longevity, didn't win the title like Donald, but he also beat Donald. So could this be one of the last guys to maybe squeeze in that can't boast, you know, a 30-1 and overall record or 16 undefeated, 16 fights undefeated? You know, those flashy stats that some of the others can obviously bring to the table. This one is a tricky situation because you have to look at what's already happened, right? So look at Donald Cerrone, the, a guy that went in the same night. He defended uh, twice, by the way, just so you know. Twice, not once. Condit and uh, McDonald. Go ahead. So you have a guy like Donald Cerrone who went in the exact same night. And if you look at their records, you know, it's kind of similar. Like, uh, But Robbie Lawler has a belt. He defended. I think you do put him in there based on that. I think so, if too. You, if you didn't have some of these people in the Hall of Fame that we kind of pick on from time to time, then I think you have one of those situations where now you have to lay things out and really, really dissect it. But I think even then, you might still be able to put him in. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with it. And the one thing that Robbie Lawler has that's pretty interesting, too, that we alluded to earlier in the show is the fact that he hasn't just done things in the UFC. You know, he's he's... This guy has proven his skill set all over the world. And uh he's just been a very, very amazing fighter that I do I do believe he goes in. I, I think he deserves it. I think so too. And then another thing, he also beat uh these are title contenders like Matt Linlin, Josh Koscheck, uh Frank Trigg, uh Marilla Hua. Maybe not him. He he may not have reached that status uh, of getting that close. Yeah, he was a Matt, tough out, though. Matt Brown, Jake Ellenberger, they were right, right on the cusp of winning, or sorry, fighting for a title. Donald Cerrone fought for a title. But these guys held proper belts. Johnny Hendricks, Rory McDonald, Carlos Condit, Nate Diaz, they all held a major title at one point, and Robbie Lawler did get by them. Now, he also suffered 16 losses, but look, it looks like six of those came in the latter stages of his career. Um, either way, the longevity, the two title defenses, the the major wins. I think we might see Robbie Lawler one more time and uh, pop up in the modern wing uh, as well. I, I think Robbie Lawler, I know he's retired from MMA, but boy, would he be fun in like uh, in boxing, even BKFC, man, like. The way Mike Perry kind of went in there and he went, holy shit, this is kind of made for you. Mm-hmm. Almost a guy like Robbie Lawler. Uh, granted, he's a little older, but I have a feeling he's going to pop up in one of those two. And I think it would be it would be fun to watch him do either one. But uh, if not, he sails into the sunset with uh, just a great career overall. And for those asking, does he qualify for the Pioneer Wing? He doesn't. The cutoff is UFC 28 when the Unified rules came into play. 
the Zufa era started at UFC 30, but the unified rules were created about a year before. That's your cutoff. Robbie Lawler started MMA in 2001, so he uh, would come in as a modern fighter. And I think I think we'll see him again one more time at at the Hall of Fame. And uh, but okay. We'll move on because I guess I could spend more time talking about this, but there's a lot to really, really cover here. It was a tremendous week, so let's get to the main card. We already went over Bull Nickel. Congrats to him. The second fight was Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner, who many thought, hey, this could have been fight of the night. I mean, these cats went at it. It was probably 1-1 going into round three, and Dan Hooker beat up a tired Jalen Turner. He just had the better cardio, and uh, this guy did it with a broken wrist, it appears. Mm-hmm. Suffered earlier in the flight. In the fight, he even asked the referee to be careful raising his hand because he was hurt. And uh, but he gutted it, man. Congrats to Dan Hooker back in the win column. Yeah, that's one of the performances where the thing with Dan Hooker is you never know which one you're going to get, right? And and this one not only uh, cements the fact that like he, he's still a very tough out, but there are times where you have to wonder like, is this a mental block or something? Because at times he doesn't he doesn't respond the way he did in this fight. This was a really gutsy performance, and that whole team was just basically on fire this weekend. I agree. Um, D- Drake's Duplessis defeated Robert Whitaker. Massive upset. It may not have been like one of those minus 1,000, plus 700 type deals, but I'm telling you, I ran into so many people that said, look, this has to happen. And what they were basically saying was Whitaker has to fight poorly and Drake has to fight out of his ass. Now let's put the two together. And even then it's still a steep mountain to climb. And then the top of it off goes, Drake has made us look, Drake has actually made it look easy. He mm-hmm. uh, kind of pretty much took over at the end of round one. And then in round two, just smashed them. That's what stood out to me was if you would have told me three rounds split decision, he gets the win. Wow, props to Drikas. But on top of that, you're going to tell me he stopped him? He got the stoppage? Like, Bobby Knuckles is so tough, man. And for him to come in and look the way he did, you know, the way he was using his distance, like he fought very intelligently in that fight. And if he can make those improvements that he made from fight to fight, if he's continuously doing that, holy crap, we got a big player at 185. And guess what? If he can get Izzy down... I'm mm-hmm. telling you, man, this guy's ground and pound is not bad. It really, really is underrated. And, of course, we've seen Izzy on his back before. He definitely needs to continue improving there. He has, by the way, since he lost to Wachowicz. He's not the easiest guy to take down, but if you can get him down, there's ways to win rounds and fights versus versus him. But Drikas, you know, he mentioned in an interview that although they haven't really sparred on their feet, they did on the ground, and he said he manhandled them. And after what I've seen, it almost looks believable. You know, so the feeling that I had with Drikas fighting Robert Whitaker, we basically gave him no shot. Now the feeling with Drikas versus Israel Adesanya, like, let's not get it twisted. Israel Adesanya is a great fighter, and it's very hard to pick against him. But you don't have the feeling that you had going into the Whitaker fight. Uh, despite how good Israel Adesanya is, you do kind of look at Drakus and how how big he is, how strong he is, how pinpoint his striking can be. And like George alluded to, the fact that if he does get him down, that can be trouble. Like to me, that gap is much smaller in this fight. I agree. Um, 
apparently some odds have already come out and and Izzy is a big favorite a substantial favorite but um look he's what, what are the uh, let me look them up here just so I can give you something accurate. But it was our buddy Sandu who posted something. Uh, and it looked like Rita one-ish. Let me see if I can find it here. This won't take me long. She wasn't in the minus 400s, though, right? It was close. Really? Yeah, Shamar Carr posts a lot of stuff, though. So I got to catch up here and see if I can find it. If I had to guess... I would think a minus 300, something like that might be there. But by the time it's fight night, maybe it goes down to like a 275 in that range. Uh, This sucks. I hate it when I try something and it fails and it's right in the middle of the show. But I think it could add a lot to show. I took the shortcut and wrote DDP instead of Drake's Duplicy. Oh, that's the worst. See if that does it. Uh, let's see here. No, I still can't find it, but I know he posted it. So I'll find. It. You know what he posted it on goes. And if you guys are there, by the way, I'm there. But this Threads deal, Threads is kind of Meta. Meta's answer to Twitter. Meta, of course, owns WhatsApp, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm on there, and it's actually pretty cool. But that's where Sandu posted it. So now I gotta find him. Um there and that may not be as easy because i'm still kind of familiarizing myself with it a little bit but okay I'll, I'll see if i can get it by the end of the show i apologize everybody um hey, is this it oh here it is yes all right adesanya minus 330 drikas duplessis plus 270 that's not too bad yeah but um look DDP, or I mean, I guess one fight Adesanya starts Whitaker, but another one went to a decision, if I'm not mistaken. DDP kind of went through him pretty quick. So DDP's 20 and 2. He's 5 and 0 in the UFC. You know, I think the one thing we hang on him is well, he's probably a little bit slower than, than Adesanya, but still pretty smooth delivery with his kickboxing. But the one thing we've been hanging on him is his heavy breathing, his labored breathing, his cardio, you know. Even though he's winning, we keep saying that. Of course, this fight, we never got to that point. But um, once you start kind of cleaning that up, he's really shown us to be a pretty good all-around guy. Remember, Amanda Nunes kind of went through this a little bit. Francis Ngannou went through this a little bit. You know, the heavy breathing stuff, the uh, strength and conditioning stuff, and look what happened to them once they addressed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. The the fight itself was the big deal, right? But unfortunately, we have to talk about something else. The fighters were brought into the octagon. I should say Adesanya was brought into the octagon afterwards. As you all know, I'm a fan of this. We start building the next fight. It's clear DDP's next. Hell, I thought DDP was next for Adesanya before the Whitaker fight. So Adesanya comes in. You can see him and Dana White discussing it outside. We know Dana White's stance. He's not a big fan of this. One thing Dana did say that I'll give him credit for. He says, I feel like I take away from the moment of the winner. That guy just trained, cut weight, then fought a savage who tried to kill him. And just when he's enjoying it, now he's got to start talking about the next thing, right? So that's why he's, he says he's not the biggest fan of it. But I've yet to meet a fighter that says, yeah, man, that's exactly 
right, I'm not feeling that. Most of them kind of seem to like it because, A, you're either the challenger and they bring in the champion and it locks in the fact that you're next, right? You know, and it'll help obviously build a fight. Or B, you're the champion and they bring in the challenger. And so, again, it, it just solidifies what we all think is out there, something Dana doesn't like to do on fight night. Yeah. Except now, this fight just has these undertones, these backstories, whatever you want to call it, that do tread on the ra racial line, right? Mm -hmm. DDP says he kind of had to go at the three kings. I want to win a belt and be the first true African champion. I don't think he was intimating white or black. I think what he was saying, he was taking advantage of the fact that those three monsters, Adesanya, Usman, and Nganu, just no longer reside in Africa. And so therefore, by being the first true African champion, what he means is, hey, I was born here, raised here, and I live here. I come back here. So when we have the parade, you know, we won't be having, we'll basically be having the parade in Africa, and pretty much I'll be bringing the title here, unlike the others who make their living somewhere else now granted i'm kind of obviously adding to it paraphrasing it but i think he went in that direction what i will say though is he may be clever enough to think i can also push buttons of black and white without having to say black or white or anything like that but the more i've been hearing Drake's duplicy talk even though he does sound a little cocky and edgy at times goes he actually kind of does sound like hey man i'm just a mixed martial artist a martial artist at heart, here I am, like me or, or or don't like me or whatever, but where do you stand on all this? As you know, Adesanya came in and immediately started cursing and, uh, you know, bringing up the N-word towards uh, Dracus. He just reminds me of like an edgier GSP, really, like when you hear him speak. And I don't know him very well. But the but the little bit that I see of him, I just lean towards he's not out there trying to really hurt anyone with his comments. It just doesn't seem like him. That could be wrong. Um, but what Israel Adesanya did when he came into the cage. And, and, you know, I applaud Dana White for his stance on that. I completely understand that. And I wish he took in fighters' feelings and... And consideration more often. It's funny that he does it for this, but just not anything else. Um, I like when they're in there together. You don't have to do it for every fight, but I think in this particular one where there was heat going into it and it does kind of set things perfectly, I think it was important to do it. But Israel Adesanya just lost his mind out there. And I thought that should have been kind of chopped down a little bit before it got to as nuts as it did. I don't get it because Israel Adesanya is just, he's such a good fighter. He's really, really something special. And when you're like that, you just, you don't have to remind people of that. You don't have to play that role. It's now time where you don't have to build yourself up. Your stats do that. Your highlight reel does that. But he's, he's continuously tapping people on the shoulder going, you know who I am? This is why you should respect me. And that's not the case when you're when you're supposed to be in this position. And I to me, I thought it was 10-9, maybe 10-8 DDP in that little exchange. Yeah, he um 
I think the whole thing that upset him was that he felt Jacobs was making it black or white. Uh-huh. And so now he's doing it. Okay, so there's going to be two schools of thought. Some that listen to this show or anything else that comes out through the MMA media, because I know it's going to get talked about. Some are going to say, well, you were okay when he when DDP did it, so he's just giving them a taste of his own medicine. Okay, but again, I already explained myself. I don't think DDP actually went that route. He may have been clever in pushing certain buttons that led to that, but he never outwardly said it. Holy cow. Um, all right, but... Others would say, well, yeah, but as a champion, aren't you above that? Let him do it, but you stay true to yourself. You can tell that when Didi, when uh, Adesanya brings his family in, they're so proud of his stature in the sport. And I know that he wants to always impress his mom and his dad and everything. And I just don't think too many people sat there and thought, oh, man, that's the way to handle it, Izzy. You know what I mean? And now uh-huh. let's move on to... Uh, you know, Izzy's look. I I was gonna spend some time talking about this uh, at some point in the show. Uh, regarding International Fight Week, right? By the way, I thought I took the squeaky toy away from him. I guess he's got more than one. <laughs> is that what that is? Sounds yeah, like you so, yeah you know, that, that's gonna get on people's nerves. So let me get this away from Yogi. Right. Keep talking, uh, goes. And I want to come back to this because I, I think it's really important. Are you alluding to what uh what he said to Drikas? Is I guess basically yeah. um you know I've heard different people talk about this and to me it was uncomfortable. I was just sitting there really feeling uncomfortable. And look, I know Dana White's gonna say, look, it's the fight game, it's edgy. Uh, Mike Tyson for years would come in the ring and tell people, you know, he wants to eat their children. I mean, he was out of his mind, right? And he'd say stuff, and we didn't really have. A problem with that look i get part of that explanation um that word just makes me really uncomfortable and i know people will say well you know it, it happens all the time in music and and all that but yeah but i tune in to a particular artist because i like their message or their music and i'm the one clicking on them knowing that this is a possibility here i'm i'm just tuning in to watch fights man the, I'm not tuning in to hear this. And I think it's a little different. You know, there are kids that are watching and maybe people will say, well, you shouldn't have your kids watching. But look, I was at the UFC Expo, right? And there was nothing in there that said you have to be 21 and over. There were a lot of kids running around in there. So um, it's just, it's there's a time and place. And I was just really uncomfortable with it all. And, and I just don't think, uh, I just don't think it needs to go down that route. I know Izzy pretty well, not personally, 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 but covering him and running into him and observing him. I guarantee you that he'll probably look back on that and cringe himself. It may not happen today. Obviously, he's been on social media kind of doubling up on it or whatever. But as he gets a little bit older, he'll realize, ah, that was probably too much, right? That was unnecessary. And then we get to Dana White, who was asked about this in the press conference. And he at first he seemed like he was unaware, and then when it was reiterated to him that he said it over and over, and he goes, "Well, Izzy's a black guy," and then he says, "Who gives a shit?" That's kind of his thing lately. Who gives a shit? Who cares? Well, again, DDP cares. He mentioned that he didn't represent himself well, sounded like a clown. That's one of the two parties who, by the way, I guess they'll have to con- continue talking here. But um, people care. 
people care. You can call them squares or snowflakes or whatever, but people care. It's just really a term that should, shouldn't get thrown out. I realize it does, and I realize that black people will kind of have that immunity, as Ice Cube said. That's our word. We can use it however I want, and I agree with them. However, as the president of the USC, you can't just dismiss it like that. Because if that's just all it takes, right? Oh, well, who said it? Is he? He's black. Then do you realize it kind of makes it look bad that now when Rogan, I guess, used it, that became a big deal a year ago, you know, that leaves the opening for, well, should something have happened then in terms of a ad public admonishment or suspension or whatever? And I'm not saying that it does, folks. I'm not saying that it does. But here's the thing. Dana White, by being the only public official for the UFC that speaks, you know, does the PR. You notice Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, you rarely see anyone from the company speak um, other than Dana White. Goes and I've been lucky enough to interview Sean Shelby before when he was the WEC matchmaker. And we've interviewed Mark Ratner before, who is one of the execs there. And then Joe Carr, I believe, was also an executive there. But besides that, you won't see Hunter Campbell or many others do this. It's got to be an exception. Hell, we had Lorenzo Fertitta on the show as well. But for the most part, it's Dana White. What Dana White needs to learn goes, okay, and I know he's going to laugh at this if he ever sees it because he's halfway to being a billionaire. Everyone loves him. He's pretty much immune to anything that can ever happen. Uh, super sexual, ultra rich, leaves a fun life. Why would he give a fuck, right? I get that. But... I don't think you can ever stop learning. No matter how rich and successful you become, you don't, you can't stop learning because guess what? You also leave behind a legacy. You have kids, and you have people that admire you and follow you. And so I'll just say this: separate yourself from being the president of the company and the promoter. Stop leaning on it's the fight business. All right, you can say that at certain times when stuff that's just completely out of your control breaks out. But when you have some sort of a code of conduct and you have a history of things that can unravel in your sport that involves your athletes, take a stand, man. Just take a stand and say, look, I wish you wouldn't have said that. And hopefully going forward, we'll try and tighten things up between both guys. Let's focus on the fights, two great fights. You know, say something that represents you more as the president that you are and not just the promoter, because promoters are looked at as like these uh, used car salesmen that'll just say anything to sell a ticket and bullshit and this and that or whatever and presidents are looked at more as a figurehead of a company that tell you this is what we're all about this is where we're headed and ride with us invest your time with us help us grow you see what i'm saying it's two different roles he just doesn't know how to separate the two you know what i mm -hmm. mean and he's he's fucking he's two months older than i am and as immature as i am goes i've matured you know, along the way. So I get it. And that's why I give passes to a lot of guys like this, especially ones that have, like I say, all the riches in the world and can pretty much give the middle finger to anyone what they want. But still, I still think you have to represent something. And in this case, it is the UFC. And I see how it bothers him when he'll say, the stupid media said this. They ran and said that. Yeah, bitch, because we are part of this world where there is some sort of law and order and decorum and tactfulness amongst all of us uh, you know it's it's not all of us that don't get it you know it's just out there we'll give you the pass that it's 
it's the fight game. We realize some things just are going to happen that are out of control. Like what happened at the MGM? No one would have guessed that. They face off all the time. But two guys blew their gaskets. They're massive fighters in DC and John Jones. And it just was out of control. What did the UFC did? They tightened up their game. More security. They talked to the fighters. The fighters learned from it, right? That's what we need to do. And I think that's why, again, I'm not asking them to, like, cut Adesanya's head off, you know, an execution style mm-hmm. or anything like that, behead him, cut him. No, I'm not saying all that. I'm just saying let everyone know where your company stands and how that's just something where, you know, you'd rather it had not happened. Some degree of, I guess, um, responsibility towards just like i say the 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 human decorum and and the way you want people acting you know because i'm telling you man it's just something mike bond brought it up in spinning back click that can just slowly unravel and then you got an incident like Khabib and conor mcgregor and in the stands where it could get really really ugly and plus plus man you know um the fans the fans they follow you the, the fans are going to get wilder and they're going to start doing things, you know, that we just don't ever want it to reach our sport all because at some point you couldn't just say, Hey guys, tighten your games up a little bit. Dude, the former president of the United States is sitting front row. Now granted, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but everybody has different stances on that, but still like there's kids out there. There's just, I don't know, man. To me, uh, I think you just pick up the mic and you say, look, it was unfortunate what happened tonight. Um, these things kind of happen sometimes when people get heated, and and that's why I don't like to bring fighters in like that. But we we thought everything would be okay, and when we tried it, and it's unfortunate what happened, and I'm sure we're, we're all going to have sit down and have a talk, but we probably all learned a lesson tonight. Something like that. Yes. And it works. It has a trickle effect is what we call it. Israel Adesanya will say something like that and go, man, he told me in the back he didn't think it was so bad. This, that, whatever. Two months later, when Izzy's about to go down that road, he's going to think twice and go, nah, president didn't like it. So you know what? I'm just going to taper it down, get in his face, say something else, call him an asshole, a motherfucker, or this or that or whatever, but just kind of not go down that road. And boom, it can have a trickle effect when someone that's uh, a, a figurehead like that, right? A powerful person in your industry can have some sort of a, a reaction. Um, that's all I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. I, again, I realize he's also a promoter, but he has to wear the two different hats. Um, and sometimes I see him coming up short in that department. Other than that, I love Dana White. I love what he's done, man. It really, really is something else. Somebody asked him a question. Lawler's one of the last guys to ever come out of Pride. You know, what are your thoughts on just acquiring Pride back in the day? And he didn't acquire it because of Lawler. He only had one fight there. But still, he fought for them. You can say he's one of the last. I think technically Nick Diaz still is under contract, so he would qualify as last. And by the way, if you're wondering who else is left, I think Shane Aoki and Gagard Musasi are the only other ones that I can think of. Oh, Fabrizio Verdun, because he's got that fight coming up against mm-hmm. Junior DeSantos that have fought for Pride. We're really running low here. Overeem called it a career. Shogun called it a career. Yeah, so those are wrapping up. But you know, he talked about how important that was, and and uh, and things like that. So um, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up, but lost my train of thought. Um, Pantoja, Brandon Marino. uh, We're gonna get to that in just a second. Looks like our guest is ready to go. Oh, why am I saying that? These are I'm being transparent here. These are actual interviews from the uh, Fight Expo. So the interviews. 
ready to be queued up and played. This is Macy Barber uh, talking to us this past Saturday at the UFC Fight Expo. On Junkie Nation, gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar in the sport of mixed martial arts. Macy Farber joins us here on the program. UFC Flyweight coming off a huge win a few weeks ago. They got down. The ladies got down one of the best fights I've ever seen. Welcome back. Welcome, Macy. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for saying it was the best fight, one of the best fights you've ever seen. A gangster fight you guys Thank you. put together. I mean, you and Amanda just went at it. <laughs> and it was really, really up there. And I've seen a lot of fights in my time. Thank you. I appreciate that. How are you feeling after it? I mean, did it take, you know, a couple additional days to recover? Because, you know, as, as much as it was your day, you're the winner. She had some moments. Yeah, I mean, for me, I came out fairly healthy. Uh, I had some, like, bruising under my eyes. I had a couple black eyes for, like, a few days. And um, obviously your body's sore when you come out from a, a fist fight. But other than that, I mean, I came out healthy and ready to get back in the gym. Would you want other fights to go that way, even if it means you get a couple black eyes or maybe less damage, but yet the fans are still talking 1, about it weeks later? 1,000%. There's, like, honestly, like, I love the exciting fights. If it's a war, if it's a brawl, like, I love that because I feel like it, it keeps the fans engaged. And it's, like, you don't get to see females do that very often. You know, you don't get to see that kind of a fight. Um, so I'm very honored and excited that I can bring that to the table uh, for myself in my career and for the UFC. I know it's only been a few weeks, and you're still obviously recovering. But what do you want for the rest of 2023? One fight, two fights. You have, you know, names lined up. Or do you, do you want other fights to kind of play out? Just to see how the whole how the division shakes out. You know, I've actually planned on talking with Hunter Dana Mick, um, but for me. Uh, definitely September, uh, probably October, November. Um, or, you know, if we get the right matchups, you know, pushing for four fights would be cool. But at the same time, I've already had two this year. So another one for sure, at least. Um, and, you know, if we come out and have another great win and another uh, quick fight, then I don't see why not take another short notice fight. So um, I want to stay consistent. I want to stay in the fans' faces and I want to keep continuing to like perform for them. So. Um, honestly, I'm good with whatever, uh, and we have several names in mind. But um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I like uh, the Lauren Murphy fight. She's ranked one right above me. Um, I like the. I like. I would like the idea of fighting uh, Jessica Andrade. I like the idea of um, those kind of fights. You know, they're right there in the in the ranking. So it really just depends on you know what the UFC thinks and what you know we want to do together, and um, we'll figure it out. Okay, now you see that? That right there is what I'm talking about. So many fighters don't want to tell you anything. And look at her coming up against the fights, laying out the names. It makes you want to be a bigger fan of someone like that. Thank you, Macy Barber. You get it. You get it. Yeah. Macy, so this fight here, is this uh, the one that you just had? A bucket list type of fight? Is it something that, you know, we all kind of have our little own highlight reels in our uh, in our lives is this the one that you pop in and tell everyone when they go so what do you do for a living is this the fight? oh yeah for sure i mean i think that this is one of my better performances you know as an athlete just i mean it has the same mentality that i've had in a lot of my previous fights and then it also has like the newer technique and the skill that i've been learning and, and accomplishing and for me it's like 
Um, this fight, I was actually talking to some guys last night that, you know, they want to make it into a moment for an NFT and, like, have it as a replay. So it would be really cool to uh, be able to show people, like, just that fight. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my entire career as a whole. You know, it's you've gotten to see, like, the complete involvement of me as a person and as a athlete just because you know i came into the sport so young so um honestly every single fight is just as important as the next but this is definitely one of those ones that was like a, a career moment like shoot and take it take off so um and, and amanda Hibas was an incredible opponent um she's a tough girl you know she's got a huge following she's got she's like not She's not the type of fighter that you just look over. You know, she's a tough girl. She's gotten some incredible wins as well. So, um, you know, we were preparing for a war with her, and I was ready to finish it. You know, sitting here at the expo, I'm trying to figure out which scenario is better. You fighting, healing up, and then having a blast here, or you fighting on one of these cards? Because these cards can be pretty big as well. Uh, which Is that something you would want to do, uh, you know, maybe next year? Oh, of course. I mean, it just worked out timing-wise, you know, that I fought um, in, in Jacksonville. Um, and it got to be, you know, right before International Fight Week. So coming off that win, I mean, I feel like I still am coming off like I just fought. So I have that ability to ride that that win right now in this in this media and in this fight week. You know, like all, all everyone has been talking about is my, my win and my win, you know, because it's so fresh. So, I mean, if I didn't get to fight on International Fight Week, fighting like a week or two before is like perfect. So, um, obviously this is this setup for my last fight was great, um, but hopefully, yeah, next year, who knows, maybe I'll be uh, fighting on the International Fight Week next year. Is there one thing you can point to in this run that you feel like has clicked for you? Um, I mean, in the in the five fight win streak, you know, I I made the big decision to move from Wisconsin to Sacramento, California, and that was something that like I had just decided I was like I'm gonna do this. And for me, you know, it was a little bit bumpy at first with it's so difficult to like just not be around family but at the same time like that was the needed thing for my career and i couldn't be more happy um with that choice and, and that decision to move to, to sacramento and macy because you just had an awesome fight i feel like your game is your profile is elevated to like big big fights going forward from here on out and so do you like being part of ABC, ESPN, a pay-per-view, or would you like your own private fight night, for example, where you're the, the headliner by rounds? Um, I think it's I think it's great to do both, you know, because I'm not shy of going out and being on a stacked card with incredible fighters and and you know like these amazing fights uh, because I know that with my style and with my um, ability to perform, I'm going to go out there and be able to actually make a name and continue to show you know, and, and steal the show, um, you know, and also I'm not afraid to fight on a fight night because I feel like also being able to headline the fight night would be an incredible honor and I would be able to, you know, also have more of the spotlight set on me, um, but even still, like, either way it is is great, you know, there's pros and cons to both, um, but obviously, like, the pros for both outweigh anything else. Well, it's great to meet you here in person. They offered you to us a while ago and I said let's do it and then we found out you were under 21 at the time and we were in the Manly Bay Casino so we couldn't have you and then after that of course so many things happened but 
I mean, it's a real treat to have you on, especially after this last fight. And uh, thank you for the time, as always. And uh, good luck going forward. Honestly, I think the sky's the limit for you. Of course. Thank you so much, you guys. All right. So, you know, she's still feeling good about that fight against Amanda Hebas. She says a lot of fans are bringing it up at the Expo. Um, she definitely looks like she's recovered because she had the two black eyes, but she was looking great there, sitting a few feet in front of us, um, slowly becoming a, a star in women's MMA. I think so. She had a great reaction at the Fan Expo and uh, that fight. You know, we talk about how great Macy Barber was in it, and I get that. Amanda Hebas had her moments too, and that's what made that fight so interesting, right? Was the back and forth. That's what makes a great fight. And it was kind of like a little bit of Hagler Hearns esque. Agreed. All right. In the co main event, Alexander Patosha defeated Brandon Moreno. This was an epic fight between the two flyweights, and now Pantoja has beaten Moreno three times in a row, twice in fights that were sanctioned by a commission and once in an exhibition that was sanctioned by a commission because one of the wins was on the ultimate fighter. They only went two rounds. Either way, those fights were all pretty much important, but none as important as this past Saturday. Pantoja is now your UFC flyweight champion. Brandon Marino has a little bit of a wrong, long road to recovery. First, he broke his hand in the first round. Second, his heart must be broken you know, and, and now he doesn't have his health to be able to just bounce back and get put into a title fight again. A, you got contenders like Amir Albazi, Brandon Royville, and they're healthy and ready to go. So, I, and, and B, I think we still have a little bit of a sour taste, or maybe not sour, but just we're a little tired from running it back, right? We got the tetralogy with Figueredo Moreno. It would be another tetralogy in a way with uh, these two if we were to just throw them right back in. So I think they'll probably freshen things up, give Pantoja a different opponent, and I think down the road we'll see Moreno and Pantoja. I think you have to. And, you know, Brandon Moreno is definitely bust. You gotta thank you. Gotta heal up. Uh, but I mean, because you have to think like, what if you do it? If you do it right away, what if Brandon Moreno wins? Then what do you do? Right? Like this can get out of hand, and there are people waiting. And I think there's people that make sense. And with a little bit of time, we're going to have even another crop of fighters show up. So for now, I think that's that's the right move is, is we do something a little different than Brandon Moreno. But despite the situation being 3-0 in favor uh, of Pantoja, I'm still left with wanting to see this again. I think what happened was we were just so separated from those first two fights at it and they've grown so much that it just feels a little different than if this were to happen uh all within the span of say three years or something like that this just has a different feel to it so i'm down with it just shouldn't happen right away and to be clear i'm down with it too and yes i don't want it to happen right away even if marino was healthy i wouldn't want to run it back it's i don't think it's healthy for a division and honestly, when you wind up talking to the fighters, you can tell just how sick they are with the situation of just kind of having to fight the same guy again, pre prepare for the same guy again. I mean, there's something about the challenge, the chess match, you know, the game planning towards just a new style. And like I told you guys all in the past, as much as sometimes you want to see a fight go at it, I always lean on this example. When John Jones beat Diago Santos, another one? <laughs> 
she's all squeak. I don't remember all these squeaking. All right. Uh, sorry, the Jack Russell Terrier is a little bored. Uh, when when he fought Thiago Santos, we all thought, what a great fight. And Santos, you know, lost a split decision on, on one leg. And so we thought, mm-hmm. wow, when he gets his surgery and comes back, this is going to be awesome. Let's watch it again, right? What happens in the meantime? Dominic Reyes obviously arguably wins the first three rounds, and we think he's on his way to unseating John Jones, which we were wrong. He won probably the first two. Third was close, but John Jones wins up winning the fight. And guess what? Reyes was a new star. Santos was a new star. New stars can be created if you give them the platform to do it. True. Brandon Royville might might win the title, or Amir Al-Bazi might win the title. We don't know. So that's why freshening things up works. But in this case, it's just going to work organically because Marino needs to recover from that broken hand. We didn't spot it till the fifth round when we just kept noticing the jab, the jab, the left hook, the jab, the jab, the left hook, with no right hand to follow. Mm-hmm. But wow, this guy did all that with uh, him breaking the hand in the first round. So respect to Brandon Marino. And then as far as Dana White being warm to it, I don't blame him. The Mexican fans came out strong all week. And guess what? I know they pale in comparison to the Irish fans when it comes to MMA. But what I saw goes was the beginning of what just could be a avalanche coming from Mexico when there's more Mexican fighters that have success and it becomes a big deal. September 16th, Cinco de Mayo. You know what I mean? Something like where the following becomes as huge as it was for Julio Cesar Chavez, Barrera, Morales, uh, Canelo Alvarez, and, and, and so on. And so I think Dana also recognizes that. And I think that's going to be huge in the next few years, especially with that PI and things like that. And, of course, they take another L in the main event with Yair Rodriguez. So let's talk about that. Um, really, Yair just came up against a modern-day beast, uh, a legend already in Alexander Volkanovsky. Yair doesn't suck, guys. Yair's pretty damn good. He can hurt you in so many ways. But he just couldn't get going because even though he landed a couple kicks here and there, when when Volk caught one of those and put him on the ground or just put him on the ground through his own grappling and wrestling skills, he was just thumping Yair Rodriguez. Rodriguez did cut him from the bottom one time, and that maybe could have led to something. Blood trickling, cuts, you know, fights can't be stopped. But, uh, I mean, nothing was stopping Volkanovski. He just showed us different ways in which he can put his opponent away. This is a man that has no holes in his game. You know, we rarely come across fighters like this. And uh, Yair Rodriguez, dude, <laughs> he's got another squeaky toy. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, he's gotten better. So for Volkanovsky to be able to do that to a guy like Yair, I know a lot of people go, well, Yair, it's not like he was undefeated or anything like that. Yeah, I get that. But he has improved. And uh, Volk's game was just able to kind of take him down a notch again. Like the dude is just so tough, man. I don't know what what we can do with him going forward. There are a couple options, but a lot of outside factors I think are going to dictate whether or not we see him fight Taporia at 145, or if we see him go up to 155. Uh, there'll be outside factors I think that determine that. He, there's no way he can fight. In, in Australia, for those that are wondering, that's Izzy's main event. Whether it's against Drikas Duplessis or Sean Strickland, that's his. Volkanovski, who is from Australia, um, it's just too quick of a turnaround, obviously, which I think poor planning from the UFC 
because that would have been perfect for him, but they probably needed somebody, excuse me, for UFC 290. So they had to bring Volkanovski, you know, to this date. But he would have made a lot of sense in Sydney. Now, that said, Taporia looked awesome. He's undefeated 15-0 or something like that, and he just buzzsawed through Josh Emmett. Of course, he's the number one contender at featherweight. However, Volkanovski represented himself well when they did chant versus chant in Perth, Australia, and mm-hmm. he fought Islam Makashev to a close fight um, that we all thought, okay, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. I think what we all said, though, was I wouldn't mind seeing that again, but not right away because Makashev has yet to defend against a proper lightweight. So here we are. Makashev still isn't defended against a proper lightweight. And a huge contender got eliminated in Benil Dariush, a former champ in Oliveira who eliminated Dariush, isn't ready to go or doesn't sound like he wants to go for Abu Dhabi, which is where the UFC wants to feature him. Now what? Add to that that Volkanovski said he has an injury where he's going to have a surgery. He doesn't qualify it as a major surgery, says he's going to fight by the end of the year, loves to stay busy. But in effect, I think that takes him out of Abu Dhabi. So with Oliveira not wanting to fight there and Volkanovski probably not available to fight there, A, who fights Islam Makashev? Well, could be Poirier or Gaethje. Whoever wins the VMF title, they might slide in. I think it works for the UFC, and I don't think any fans have a problem with it. Although, we do see similarities between Habib and Makashev, and so maybe that could be a rinse and repeat situation there, although every fight's different. But mm-hmm. really, what can happen for Volkanovski, you know, I predict goes that he won't make it to Abu Dhabi, Either Oliveira will change his mind or we'll send Gagey Poirier, the winner of that, to Abu Dhabi, and this guy will be stuck fighting Taporia. That sounds terrible, stuck. I mean, that's a great main event, and I think we'll probably see that. I don't know about December, but maybe early next year makes the most sense. December still needs somebody, and um, Miocic and Jones just signed for November, so maybe, you know, we got to start looking to see who fights in December. I don't know. Taporia is an amazing fighter, and he deserves this fight, but I don't think he's ready for Volkanovski just yet. I think one more fight would have really helped him out a lot. I think he's still improving. It's going to be a fun fight, I think, but I still have Volkanovski, Volkanovski having the edge here. Mm-hmm. But he did crush Emmett. He and if we thought enough of, of Yair... Beating Emmett gets him to Volkanovski, then we got to give Toporia the same respect, no? I mean, how does he do it? You know, he's just got to be better than Volkanovski because he's got clean hands. He's got clean hands. He's got good jujitsu himself. Can he get Volk down? That's not easy. Can he keep him down? That's not easy. Yeah, five rounds. I mean, but he just did. He went five rounds with Emmett, so that was impressive. Mm -hmm. I think Toporia is ready. That doesn't mean I think he can win. I mean, Volkanovski's a savage, but you know, uh, we've already seen the Holloway dance a few times. I, I think Holloway will pretty much beat Korean Zombie at this point, but uh, I think Taporia has earned his spot. I think that's my prediction. And I think Oliveira will change his mind. I think Oliveira will be, you know, I think they'll teach him a lesson and say, hey, look, if you can't go, someone else will. And if you think you're going to wait, don't forget this Volkanovski guy could move up at any time and fight for the title, and you're asked mm-hmm. out. And I think Oliveira really wants to be champ again. Yeah. His logic just, you know, he was one of the interviews we had there at 
at the uh, International Fight Week Radio Row, and his logic was like, hey, I went to Abu Dhabi. Why can't he come to me? Well, the show they're having in Sao Paulo in November is just a fight night. I don't see the UFC doing a, a title fight on a mm -hmm. fight night. And he said, well, you know, stranger things have happened. Like, no, bro, they really kind of haven't. No. They have done it before, you know, on either ESPN or Fox. Yeah, I've seen that before. But I just, I don't believe I've seen it on a fight night. Maybe Valentina against Carmouche or somebody in Uruguay, I think might have been a fight night. And there's probably been a few others, but it just don't happen often. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect it to happen in this case. I think Oliveira needs to figure it out. Maybe this is his way of saying, pay me more to incentivize me. I don't know. But if you're not incentivized by being wanting to be champion, then what is it? Right. Maybe it's the weight cut. It's still July 10th. That fight's in October. Man, you got all of a month before you can before you even get to the eight-week mark. I don't know. Um, all right, Jamal Hill. We caught up with him, UFC light heavyweight. He's next, and we'll talk to Sweet Dreams. There he is, Junkie Nation, the UFC's light heavyweight champion, Jamal Hill, returns to Junkie Radio. What's going on, champ? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Pretty cool. Every time we say they're calling you Mr. Hill, Jamal, sweet dreams, and today we get to deliver champ, man. How I know it's been a few months, but how does it still feel when you wake up every morning? Uh, you know, as, like, is that ship sailed? Or do you still have special feelings towards that that title that you hold? I mean, it's a it's a it's a great memory. I, of course, I'm gonna have special feelings towards it ever, uh, forever. But now I'm more so focused on the I'm over the the beginning little drunk high of a, of achieving the the title. Now I just wanna I wanna defend it. I wanna lay my legacy and I wanna lay these bricks at the top of the division. Did you do what other champions do? Sleep with a belt for a, for a night or a week or? Well, and, and where is the belt, by the way? Uh, I fell I fell asleep with it. After, uh, I think the night of the fight, uh, for a little bit, of, like maybe hours that I did sleep. Yep. Um, it's at home now. It's just at home, hanging out. Cool place. So you don't have it in a closet or nothing, right? Hmm? Is it in a cool spot in the house, or or is it like in a closet still? That's why it's like sitting on my couch. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> now, the flip side is. There's no new opponent yet. You're still kind of in a holding pattern, unless you have news to break. But, you know, a lot of the other champions who have won since you, they got something going on. Now, I know a lot of this hinges on Jiri Prashaska. How long do we wait that guy out before you move on to the next, to plan B or the next person? He has until somebody else wins a contender fight, to me. You know, because oh, okay. the, minute, the minute somebody else wins a contender fight and he's not ready to go, that's what I'm asking for. Okay, so so you're still willing, willing to wait out him getting healthy, and then you 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 banging with him? If they give me a date, got it. Because I was looking at Magomed, obviously, you know. I, I, would you agree he's probably next if Yuri can't go? No. Who would you say is next? Whoever wins between Bohovich and Pierre. Oh, okay. Pierre. Well, that's what I was gonna say was Bohovich was the other side of the party, and he's fixed. And I guess Pahed, if he wins, and he's now a valid contender yeah. as well, but. No Magomed, you're not feeling that one, huh? Why is it's that? not the fact that I'm not feeling it. It's just you, it's my personal opinion. He hasn't earned the shot. 
just like uh, Jan has to go out and get another shot and, and get another win because he, he ended in the draw. A lot of people feel Jan won that fight. Some people feel Magomed. Just because a lot of people feel that Magomed won the fight does not mean he deserves a title shot. He's in the same position that Jan is in. He needs to win another fight. Fair enough. All right. So now, do you think in 2023 you will fight? Because November, they got their main card, sorry, main event uh, yesterday, which is Jones and Miocic. So now we're going to start working on December. Do you think we're going to see you in 2023, or are you focused more on early next year? Yeah, no, 100% I expect to fight again this year. I, I would have liked to have already had fought again and uh, been looking down to fight at another fight, you know, but I'm definitely 100% I expect to fight before the end of this year. Jamal, this time right now, is this more about, like, strengthening yourself, working on yourself, or is there a part of you that kind of trains for some of these names that we've thrown out? Man, right now, I'm just enjoying, I'm just enjoying life. You know, I, I can't, I'm focusing on the things that I can control. I can't control uh, the health of Yuri or the, or who has stepped forward and made whatever noise and made whatever claim to be the champion, uh, make a, make a, sh get a shot at being the champion. I'm just focused on the things I control, and the only thing I control right now is how I'm enjoying my life, and that's what I'm doing. Jamal, we've been doing this show a long time. This isn't our first expo, and the names have just changed throughout. But when we first started, your division was one of the marquee divisions. Names like Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, Vitor Belfort, uh, Randy Couture. Have you ever kind of just sat there and thought how you would match up against any of those? And is there a name of that group that, that you would have thought would have made a good fight? Yeah, 100% I have, but I also understand that the game has evolved and partly and due to a lot of those guys, those names that you name, the game has evolved, and I'm a product of that evolution. So I think and I match up terribly against anybody from back then, you know, just, just for the simple fact that I learned from them. So I, so I understand what I would be facing back then as opposed to them against a new-age fighter like myself. Was that a nice way of you saying you would take any of them guys out? I mean, if that's how you take it, I feel like I could whoop anybody alive or anybody who's ever lived. So take that how you I want to. It, how you want yeah. to take it. That's the mentality right there. And, and so you were talking a little bit about legacy and, and, and the importance of that. You know, they just had the Hall of Fame. That was pretty moving to see some of those names. What are some of the things that you feel like are a part of your legacy that, that you still need to complete? Uh, just, just, just keep winning. Just keep putting on shows. I'm not really I'm not really focused on that. I want to I just want to I just want to write a good story. You know, I'm having fun with my story. You know, I just want to add to it, you know, and then I worry about all that stuff at the end whenever all the smoke clears and everything like that. For right now, I'm just focused on dropping bodies. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Um, all right. You were at the Hall of Fame. We saw you there. What did you soak in the most from seeing? Aldo, you know, Silva, the fight of the night, or sorry, the, the, the fight that, that got put in, you know, all that. What what, what made you feel like, man, that's that's what I want to be known for or, or anything like or Or was there something different that I'm missing that maybe captivated you? It was more so I, I just had, I'm truly, I had the feeling that I'll be there one day. You know, it was motivation. It was inspiration. It was a good thing for me to see and, uh, and just know that. Keep working, keep doing your thing, and you'll be there one day. You'll have your you'll have your gold trophy. You'll have your enshrinement. You'll have your immortality. So just keep doing what I'm doing. Jamal, would you like to one day have ten title defenses with Anderson, like like Anderson Silva, for example, or do you, are you more like a you know hit it and then dip out in terms of the sport because now the money's better and obviously it's it's just different times. 
I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Like I said, enjoying life and having fun with it. And whenever I feel like it's time for me to step away from it, I'll do that. And does that mean like when the body starts shutting down or the mind or the mind's not into it? Do you know which one of those two you listen to more? I mean, obviously, if either one of those things, if I feel my health in any way, mentally or physically is a problem, I'm going to take care of that first and foremost. So when you went back after you won, was there any I told you so's? Um, whether it was like a high school coach that didn't believe in you or neighbors that thought you were crazy for getting into the sport or anything like that? Like, did I go and, like, did I go not, and. Not, not, not actually say it, but just kind of maybe you're oh, driving yeah, around town and you came across someone where you knew that person doubted you. No, I, I didn't have to do that. You know, the, 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 I told you so isn't what I did. I did it. Like, <laughs> there's nothing else to be said about it. I said I was going to do it. it. Anybody who doubted, thought it was impossible, couldn't see it happening, couldn't have that vision. A lot of fighters. There it is. I, I, I went out and I wrote it. I wrote it and edged it in history. You, you sure did, my man. Um, all right, last question. A lot of times the what I've noticed of this newer generation is the champs will win, and then all of a sudden they start looking at what's become very appealing to fighters, and that's the champ champ status. Do you even think about that, or are you more focused on, like you said, dropping bodies at 205 first and then letting it maybe in a few years start to think other other types of goals? Yeah, yeah, I'm focused on my goal. I only got one goal, single goal, is just, is just laying everybody in the 205 division out. That's, what, that's my goal right now. I'm not focused on nothing else. Thanks for the time, as always. Go out there and enjoy your time with the fans. There, I've seen them popping to you all week. So it seems like you're really, really becoming a fan favorite out there. For sure. Yeah, 100%. You know, I appreciate them. Anybody that, that shows love, that shows appreciation for what I do or what I uh, what I go out there and put on the line, you know, I appreciate you, man, 100%. You know, if you draw for inspiration from me or any type of way or anything like that, I appreciate that. I'm going to keep doing it. This all, I'm, you get me. This is all I know how to do. This is all I know how to be. So even though he still feels like it's Yuri Prashaska, and there are going to be some other options if that one don't work out. In the post-fight press conference with Dana White, Dana says he thinks they're going to be announcing something soon. So it does appear like Yuri Prochaska and Jamal Hill will probably lock up at some point. And I think it could be that December card here in Las Vegas. That's just one guess that I have. Now, mm -hmm. as you heard Jamal Hill, he says, hey, if it don't work out with Yuri, I'm open to the winner of Jan Blachowicz versus Alex Fajeda. That's the co-main event at UFC 291 under the Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje main event. So that's coming up pretty soon. But Dana White made it sound like sooner than that, they'll have an announcement on Hill's future. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I like Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill is just, he tells you what's on his mind and, um, it seems like that that he just really wants that Yuri fight. And, you know, everybody else wants to see it too. But uh, we'll have to see how all this plays out. And I hope that announcement is that. Me too. The bonuses for Saturday night's card went to Marino and Pantoja for fight of the night, which kind of sucks because I thought maybe Turner and Hooker had a shot at it. Drikas Duplessis and Denise Gomes, uh, they had performance of the night. Now, who else kind of had a case? I suppose Volkanovski, his finish was nice over Rair. Mm -hmm. Bo Nickel, he had a nice finish. Robbie Lawler, he had a nice finish. 
Um, there was a few also on the undercard. Dana did say, oh, don't you worry about Robbie. He'll be taken care of. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means we're sending him 50 or maybe something bigger. You know, maybe they send him a new car. Who knows? But it, de- oh, it did sound- got. Yeah, it did sound like something special is headed his way. So that's cool. But, you know, we're still at that weekly part, that Monday show where Gigi blows his top. I'm not going to do it this time. But, you know, look, the feeling amongst MMA fans were that this was an awesome card and the fighters fought their asses off. So, you know, it, it, it really would be nice if these guys get some nice bonuses in the mail is all I'll say on this one. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think it'll happen, hopefully. Goes, let's close with this. What were your thoughts on International Fight Week? Make it quick. Obviously, we had the Hall of Fame Thursday. We had the Radio Row experience. And then, obviously, the Expo was... I thought it was... I was impressed. But let's get your thoughts first. I thought the UFC hit a 9 out of 10. I thought the Expo was pretty tremendous. Uh, the UFC staff was very easy to, to work with this, this week. They did a lot of cool stuff. The reason I give them a nine and not a ten, the fights were amazing. Uh, the nine comes from the Jamal, or sorry, not Jamal Hill, the uh, Israel Adesanya incident kind of sucked. That's one check mark, and the other one is just Hall of Fame for as important as we all make Hall of Fames to be out in every other sport and in this sport. To not have Anderson Silva there, that blew. To not have Roy McDonald there, that sucked too. And uh, you just want to see bigger crowds for these, and the, the crowd wasn't wasn't that big. Yeah, um, former fighters. You want to see former fighters there? There weren't that many of them. I'm wondering if it wouldn't be better served to have it after the weigh-ins. You have a bunch of people show up for two hours for the weigh-ins, and they get pumped up for something that's really not what it was before, because there's no um drama exactly there's nothing dramatic in the sense of will someone wait wait or not let's bring out the towel that's all done in the morning so now you kind of bring the fighters again for a second time to just kind of pose off and do their thing okay cool i kind of like that because for the health of the fighters they have an additional eight hours to recover but if you already have that crowd there and remember a lot of people can get friday off but maybe not thursday and so now you're asking people to maybe get Thursday off and then come to the Hall of Fame. Why not have the Hall of Fame immediately after the weigh-ins? Mm-hmm. And why do you have to charge 25 bucks? So what? 30,000 they charity. sold 1,000 tickets and $30,000 went to a charity. You see, just give a charity $30,000. You can definitely afford that. So just give it to them. Don't charge anyone and get people there and goes the last thing is We've been to crowds before where all of a sudden they realize, oh, wait, this is not packed. It doesn't look cool. Let's start bringing people in and filling it up or whatever. For one, the fact that they're in the T-Mobile, that's just not the venue for it. Um, you know, I don't know if the Apex is or, or where it can be or, or, or maybe back to that Park MGM, you know, that theater that they have, something. But kind of like think this through a little bit. There's so many places here in las vegas where you can have something like this um and get the fans involved you know but you're asking the fans a lot hey there's gonna be pool parties 
come to the expo on two specific days. The fights themselves, the after parties, the Hall of Fames, the weigh-ins, the special announcement for UFC. Come on. Like, seriously. You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, that's just kind of a lot. And, again, I don't think you need to charge them. But, yeah, like Go said, if you've ever watched an NFL um, Hall of Fame, it's pretty packed there, and it's pretty special. And it doesn't seem like anybody wants to miss that one unless they passed away. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is the, the WWE Hall of Fame is tremendous. All the stars are there, mm-hmm. and they're all happy for each other. They all you know get I mean? in, though, too. They all get in, that's true, but, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I heard it from an insider or from somebody that carries weight. Hey, maybe read between the lines, maybe the Silva and the UFC are on some sort of an outs. Maybe, but I don't remember that. If anything, the UFC said, yeah, yeah, we're not going to hold you in anything. Go yeah. go box. If anything, I think the UFC fights so had to send him a thank you for finally a, a, a MMA guy beating a boxer, you know, when he <laughs> beat Chavez Jr., so... It just sucked. I don't. I, I have no no disrespect towards Anderson Silva's son, but man, I really wanted to see Anderson Silva be there. Yeah, Rory, I could live with not being there. He's solid, but I always thought he was a little bit of a weirdo. So maybe he's just kind of being a weirdo in private life now. And plus, he was the losing side of the of the fight. But Anderson Silva, come on, bro! Like this is tremendous. That 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 that's no good, folks. Check out Spinning Back Click Mondays, noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. We're live every Monday. Uh, you'll definitely like it. It's a nice compliment to the two shows we give you here on the pod, podcast platform. That is MMA Junkie Radio. And you know, thank you to all of you that kind of came up and said hello at the Hall of Fame or. The internet, uh, sorry, the expo. Some kind words about the show, the spinning back click, the, the website. We appreciate it. One guy I, I clearly remember, and maybe it's because we talked to him a little bit longer, was Bailey from Palmdale, Lancaster area. Mm-hmm. He's a Nottingham Forest fan. Really, really nice fella. Uh, shout out to him. We saw him there at the uh, Hall of Fame. But um, anyway, like I said, we had a good time and we thank you as always for. Um, supporting us here you know through these last 16 and a half years and folks we'll see you all on thursday with another edition of mma junkie radio go out and be a champion we'll talk to you soon